0: Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hi, my name's Chris, and I'm glad you're with me because I have a confession to make. And I need to just take a second to be really transparent with you. So this year has been really difficult for us. Terry and I have had all sorts of negative things happen this last year that have been challenging to say the least. So like in addition to some personal things that we went through that are kind of heavy, I had ankle surgery at the beginning of this year and the recovery stunk. It was really painful and it took a long time and it still hasn't healed right. So in three weeks, I have to go back in and have it surgically repaired again. And I am not looking forward to another six to 10 weeks of painful recovery. And also this year, we also had some really close relationships that went sideways really fast in pretty unexpected ways, which was also painful, but just painful in a a different way. And on top of that was this tension of politics and COVID and the fact that no matter what you think or do, someone is going to be mad at you. It has been a rough year, but that's not my confession yet. Okay, so wait for it. One night, I came home from work, and I was just overwhelmed by all of the negative stuff that it felt like was pressing down on me. And like always, I sat down and I turned on the TV to just some news channel. And there was a story on about people who were fighting over masks and vaccines at a school board meeting, and I was just done. I was done with the negativity. I was done with all the conflict. I was done with all of the bad things that we were dealing with in life personally, compounded with the bad things that I had to see on social media and in the news. I was just done with this bucket of yuck that it felt like I'd been dragging around for weeks and months. And I I just couldn't take any more bad stuff. So I was like, I need to turn on something with no negativity, no conflict, and no tension. So what channel can I turn on that will give me that? And that's how I ended up watching an original movie on the Hallmark Channel. Now that's still not my confession, okay? Here's my confession. I loved that Hallmark Channel original movie. I loved it. It was everything I needed. It was light and fun. There was no real conflict. And the best part was that you always knew that the right couple was going to get together in the end. So now, God's honest truth, for the last couple of months, the Hallmark Channel it's, is my jam. I have watched and enjoyed such classics as Autumn Dreams, The Chasing Waterfalls. Uh, I loved Raise a Glass to Love. And my favorite so far, turn it on, I'll watch it all day, is Sweet Pecan Summer. And I am not ashamed to admit that I don't change the channel when Golden Girls comes on either. Sometimes when you feel overwhelmed with bad things, you just need some good things instead. And I think that religion can often feel like a bunch of bad things. I mean, at the end of the day, religion is meant for good, but so much of it is framed in the negative. For example, if you asked some people what they think Christian life is like. They might say something like, well, Christians don't cuss, don't gamble, don't drink, they don't watch R-rated movies, they don't vote Democrat, or or really do anything that might be too much fun. And I can totally understand where that idea would come from because a lot of the commands in the Bible are do nots. Do not lie, do not steal, do not worship other gods. I mean, eight out of the 10, 10 commandments are do-nots. Only two of the Ten Commandments aren't framed in the negative. Now, we've been working our way through the book of Matthew, specifically the Sermon on the Mount, since the beginning of this year for months. And honestly, it's been amazing, both personally and for our church, I believe. But but we've been on a streak of do-nots. You know, we've gone through Matthew starting Matthew chapter six, it was, don't do your good deeds in public to to be seen by others. Don't seek attention when you pray. Don't store up treasures in heaven. Don't worry about having enough food or drink. Don't judge others. That's just to name a few. And there's been some transformative stuff in there, definitely. But sometimes all of the do nots can start to add up and feel like bad things, feel heavy. Sometimes religion can feel like bad news all the time, things that you are failing at and need to do better. And sometimes you just need some good things to think about. But Jesus is not just about the do nots because in Matthew seven, we find Jesus pivoting away from the bad things that we need to not do and pivoting into the hallmark original movie portion of the Sermon on the Mount what I would call the good things. So let's take a look at what Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 7 through 8. He says this, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now this verse, it seems really straightforward, but it has been both comforting and conflicting for a lot of people i mean it's comforting clearly because for a lot of people who have found themselves in circumstances that are beyond us and we need help like it it brings comfort to know we can ask god for help you know if we have health or relationship work or financial problems that are too big for us to navigate on our own you know or or knowing that you have cancer or or you're facing divorce or you've lost your job Being told that God will give you what you ask for is very comforting. And there have been numerous times when people have asked God for help, have prayed for help, and they've seen God come through. But this verse is also conflicting because for every ask that we see answered, there are those that aren't answered. There are people who died of cancer instead of getting better. There are relationships that fell apart instead of getting closer. There are ankles that require a second surgery instead of fully recovering. This verse can be conflicting because our experience tells us that while it may be true sometimes that you ask and and receive, that it isn't true all the time because there have been occasions when I have persistently asked God to do something in my life that he didn't do. And when our human lived experience doesn't match with what the Bible says, I think that that's something we need to take a closer look at. Because, I mean, maybe you, like me, I can only draw two conclusions out of this. Either what Jesus said about asking isn't true, or there's something more to this that we're missing. And I, for one, am not content to accept, you know, a lightweight Sunday school answer on something that is honestly rattled the faith of so many people who didn't receive what they asked and what they sought God for. So what does Jesus mean when he says, ask, seek, and knock? And how do we make sense of the fact that he says, everyone who asks receives, when we know that that doesn't fit with our experience? Well, anytime we struggle with something in the Bible, We need to ask questions okay questions like what came before this passage in the bible what comes after it what was the context in which it was written and honestly just as a side note this is just a free tip okay whenever you're reading the bible never read a verse okay the bible wasn't written that way the bible wasn't broken down into chapters and verses until like 1500 years after the bible was compiled So never read a verse on its own and assume that it is a whole and complete thought in and of itself. Read around it. So so what comes directly after Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock? Well, let's take a look in verse 9. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Okay, so there's a lot here. And there are, there are four things that we are going to see today in all of this to find our answer to the question of what does Jesus mean by it? And the first is this, ask, seek, knock is a relational exchange. So in the ancient Greek and Roman world, there were hundreds of Greek and Roman gods. And they were they were seen as these distant, impersonal, and uncaring gods. And so humans who worshiped them had to get their attention in order to have the gods meet their needs. And the way you got the gods to answer your prayers was to pray the exact right combination of words and phrases and then repeat them over and over again like you were casting a spell. And we actually talked about this several months ago when we were, talk- when we were looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, when Jesus said not to pray like the Romans, who thought that their prayers would be answered by mindlessly repeating the same words over and over again. But Jesus describes our relationship with God differently than those Roman gods. Jesus describes God as our heavenly father who cares about the needs of his kids. And to drive that point home, Jesus is like, if the average parent is going to take care of their kids, how much more do you think a perfectly loving God is going to take care of you? The context of us bringing our requests to God is, at least painted by Jesus, is that of a family relationship. It's, it's a relationship that says, I give God my worship. It's not, sorry, it's not a relationship where we say, I give God my worship in obedience, and then God gives me what I ask for. That's transactional, right? There's no love or relationship in that. But the picture Jesus gives is one of us asking, seeking, and knocking to a loving parent who's listening to his or her child, listening to their best interests, looking to those interests, and desiring to give them good things. Because in Jesus's words, How much more will our Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, one way that people try to understand the conflict between what Jesus said about asking and our experience of not always getting what we ask for is to point to the phrase, good gifts or good things that Jesus uses. And then they'll say things like this. They'll say, you know, God promises to answer our prayers with good things. But he's the one who gets to determine what those good things are. And therefore, when we don't get what we ask for, it doesn't mean that God didn't answer. It just means that he determined that what we wanted wasn't a good thing. And to be honest, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, if my kids asked me if I could just go buy them some heroin so they could get high with their friends, I would probably say no because it's bad for them. And I wouldn't feel obligated to do it either just because they asked me to. Just them asking doesn't obligate me to go buy them heroin. But even though there's some truth to that, I don't think that it's a satisfying answer to why we don't always get what we ask for, that God just determined it wasn't good. But I do think that the answer is found when we understand what Jesus meant when he said good gifts. Because I mean, for us, good things are obvious. You know, not suffering is a good thing. Having all the money and resources we want is a good thing. Being healthy is a not having cancer is a good thing. But if that's true, why doesn't God heal us when we ask? We need to understand what Jesus means when he says good gifts. And fortunately, because we never read a verse on its own, we can find the answer in Luke's gospel where Luke recorded this exact same teaching of Jesus in Luke 11. And this is what, what he says. He says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, and watch this, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, in Luke's account of this teaching, Jesus tells us exactly what God's good gift is. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's Himself. It's a deeper, closer, more real and personal relationship with Him. Which leads to our second takeaway. God's good gift is more of Himself. He is the good thing. And this idea is seated all throughout the Bible. Proverbs 8:17 says this, I love all who love me, and those who search will surely find me. And then Jeremiah 29:13 says this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. What we find when we ask, seek and knock is God. It's relationship with him. It's his presence and his love and his peace. And it also means this, that when Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, he's not teaching us how to pray for our needs. And in fact, he already did that when he taught us to ask for our daily bread in the Lord's prayer. Rather than teaching us how to pray for our needs, he's teaching us the value and importance of seeking closer relationship with God and what happens when we do. Ask, seek, knock is not about having our needs met, but about developing deeper relational love. Which leads to our third takeaway. Ask, seek, knock is not a posture of request, but a posture of invitation. See, it's not asking God for things— but inviting him into our lives. And Jesus incredibly shows us exactly what this posture of invitation looks like by modeling it in Revelation 3.20. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus doesn't say, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I can then tell you all the things I need from you. No. Jesus is not knocking to get anything from us, but to share a meal together as friends, to have relationship with us. And and in the same way, when we knock on God's door, we are doing the same thing. We are inviting God to come and share life with us. I mean, let me bring this home and make it really practical. Ask, seek, knock is not just about us pursuing relationship with God. It's more than that. You see, Jesus's kingdom is all about relationships, right? Loving God and loving our neighbor. And when Jesus knocks on the door of our heart with a posture of invitation, he's not just showing us how to pursue God, but he's showing us how to relate to other people. We've spent the last four weeks talking about Jesus's command to not judge and condemn other people. This last message series we were just in. And it's been four weeks of do not, do not judge. And while it may look like ask, seek, knock is just a separate teaching on prayer, I think it's more than that. I think that it's a continuation of his teaching on judging others because a posture of invitation is the exact opposite of condemnation and judgment. Look at this. Judgment says... You know, you believe things or you're doing things that are wrong and worthy of condemnation. And I need to make sure that you know where you're wrong. And before I can accept you, I need you to know about your sin and acknowledge it. But a posture of invitation, not condemnation. Posture of invitation is the opposite of the posture of condemnation. Because a posture of invitation simply says this, I'd like to share a meal with you as friends. In this ask, seek, knock teaching, we not only see how God wants to relate to us, but we see the antidote to judgment. And it's invitation. Because invitation is the opposite of condemnation. And the kingdom of God, the community in which followers of Jesus live, is one where people are inviting both God and others into relationship. And the end goal is not to get everything that we ask for, or to ensure that everyone is appropriately judged for their sin, Jesus paints a much different target than that. His end goal is simply this, a community of people sharing a meal together as friends with Jesus at the center of it all. So today I invite you to new understanding of how you relate to God. Not as some distant being that you give your worship and obedience to so that he'll then meet your needs. But as a loving parent who desires a deep and close relationship with his child. And I invite you to a new understanding of how you relate to others. Not as people who need to be confronted with their sin or excluded by your gatekeeping until they change their ways. But as people whose door Jesus wants you to knock on, who Jesus would have you share a meal with as friends exactly as they are. Let's have the same attitude and posture Jesus had, one of open invitation toward God and others. And let's be people who pursue loving relationships first. And as we do that, Let's just see what God can do in our lives and in our church and in our community. Let's be people, not who have a posture of condemnation, but who live in a posture of invitation, a posture of open invitation. And let's see how God can use that to transform other people's lives, to transform our world. Thanks for joining me. I will see you next time for our second message about good things. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you then. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.